This is Irish Illustrated Insider, August 27th. Pete Sampson from The Athletic is with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. And I know we're kind of making a habit of doing a countdown of how close Notre Dame is to playing a football game and how certain we feel that they will. It is 16 days before that. And Pete, you, you tweeted out last night about you're more confident than ever. And I followed up on that saying, I feel the same way because ACC refs are scheduled through uh, October 3rd games. Uh, ACC refs are doing scrimmages and practices throughout uh, the ACC. They're coming to Notre Dame for a scrimmage next Friday. And now the news of South Florida being official on September 19th, it certainly feels like a Notre Dame football season is imminent. And that, that all pairs with the testing numbers at Notre Dame. Like, yes. If Notre Dame testing numbers had continued where they were a week and a half ago, I, I, I wouldn't share any of this optimism about officials and scrimmages and games and all that. But they've Notre Dame has sort of got its stuff together uh, on that front, which they needed to do. And I think this also, we can get into this more later, but I think you, there was a definitive feeling, I think, from you last week that, you know, if there's no school, there's no football. And now I, the way that I think Notre Dame views it is like there could be some in-person school, and but it doesn't need to be everybody. I think there's there's much more of a gray area about Notre Dame playing football than there in a good way than there was a week ago when it was either everyone's in school and we're playing or everyone's out and we're not. Um, now I think there, there's much more of some, some shades of gray in between. And I think with them going back, I mean, you don't even need a shade of gray if they're going back. Most people are uh, going they are, back. I mean, <laughs> they are scheduled. They are scheduled now to go back into the classroom uh, next Wednesday, September second. That hasn't been announced. I believe that'll be announced tomorrow. That that is the plan. Uh, and Tim, Tim, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I, I did, go ahead, Tim. No, I was just saying that you know Pete's right that there should be some wiggle room, and there and there probably will be wiggle room, but they don't need wiggle room if they're back. And, and things go well. I think the wiggle room would be, I mean, there should, there should be an, as much of an option as possible as some students now that they have seen the environment in Notre Dame. If they want to go virtual, that's fine. I don't, I don't see how. I that, would imagine that there's yeah. going to be the leeway to do that. Yeah. You've seen, now that you've seen what your daily routine would look like in the age of COVID-19 on a campus, do you want to stay and do this? Or do you want to go virtual? I can't imagine Notre Dame would have any objection to that, nor should they uh, for this calendar year. It's uh but the key is, you said 16 days. It's now it used to be 25 when we were joking about playing football, and I I believe they will play football. We will, at some point, I think we said let's get a game in, just one game, just let us see something. <laughs> I fully expect to get that game in now. Yeah, and some I other idiot campus might ruin it, but you know. You know, Pete, I kind of stole from you here today in my my Thursday thoughts because you had quoted uh, Northern Provost Marie Lynn Miranda, and and she made a comment um, with with regard to what you just said that they're there is some leeway. It's not all cut and dried that, you know, if the students have to leave campus, that doesn't mean that they can't continue. Uh, not that she said anything about football, but you kind of read into it that way. And I did as well. Yeah. I mean, the quote is unlike March, the decision for us today is not zero one decision. It's to keep, it's not keep everyone here or send everyone home. There are lots of places in between. And I mean, you talk to administrators at Notre Dame, they'll gladly talk to you about like, well, maybe just the it's first years and grad students and athletes and international students, like some mixture of that, you know, maybe second year students are here as well. Uh, it's, 
they, they just have some options there where it doesn't have to be everyone's here and that's how, how football has to exist. Because, I mean, if they go back into the classroom next week, you know, whether it be September 1st or September 2nd, two weeks, then you're looking at you're about a week away from understanding, okay, what's the next spike going to look like? Because there's, there's going to be a next spike. It would be incredibly cruel uh, for Notre Dame to then say, well, we can't play Duke on the 12th. And, and I'm saying, like, we can't play anybody ever, um, opposed to, you know, the, what's going at Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, where you're already moving games. I just – I don't. That would be an impossible for position for Notre Dame to be, and I think they would at that point they they would have to be more committed to playing football for sure, unless things really really get bad. And I mean, it, you should not have the same viewpoint as they did in March. That's it's it's a wise viewpoint. Back then, it was wildfire spreading, or if it wasn't wildfire spreading, it was thought to be wildfire spreading. There was no way to bring people back to campus after spring break in March, the way that the virus was spreading back then. There's a greater understanding now than there was in March, as there should be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, the most important thing is that someone is comparing it to March, because this is nothing like March anymore in terms of our understanding of the situation. I mean, you weren't touching, you weren't touching anything anywhere when you went out the first time in March <laughs> to get groceries. You were washing, people were washing their groceries with disinfectants and they were being said, leave your mail outside for three days in the, in the garage. I mean, that think of how far away we are from that. Yeah. And I was, it was refreshing to hear from somebody at Notre Dame in a leadership position, like on the record, yeah. state that. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. like, we're trying to talk to people who are like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be quoted or I would just say this on background. Like the university provost, that's like near the top. Yeah. Um, you know that that's, <laughs> that's like a, really important that is way up there folks so i mean if that's her opinion and she is very highly respected at notre dame from what i can gather talking to people on the academic side that is really important it, it is and and just to follow up in in the news yesterday wolverine digest of sports illustrated basically said that the the big 10 is having some buyers remorse right now with their decision to cancel the fall season because uh, it was their impression that the ACC was going to do the same and piggyback their decision. And that's not what the ACC did. And it, it's interesting because Tim, on that day, August 11th, you had told me that, um, you know, your source had said that, you know, this is, it, it looks like the ACC is going to, to cancel. Then I contacted a, a source and that source said that Dex Warbrick is trying really hard to convince AC, ACC to delay this decision by a week or two. Lo and behold, the next day, there was an ACC schedule revealed. So, I, you know, I don't know how much credit Jack Swarbrick gets. I wouldn't be surprised if the gist of what is being said in that Wolverine Digest story is accurate, because I've often marveled at the things that, that Jack Swarbrick's been able to accomplish for Notre Dame, starting with you know, entering the conference and non-football related um, affiliation and, and then now pulling it off to actually be a part. The, yeah. When you want to be a part of the ACC this year and they actually are uh, a part of that. So, you know, how accurate that is, I don't know. But the guys, you know, when people, when the Wolverine Digest say, say that, says that Notre Dame convinced the ACC, it's Jack Swarbrick that's at the front of that. And I, yeah, I mean, I, he's, he's in on those meetings. Like that's, 
that's the guy. I mean, I, I would sort of just view as like Notre Dame was in favor of playing. Um, and that carries some weight. If you, I mean, if, you're, if you read the article, um, basically saying, the ACC saying, with Notre Dame's reputation, academic reputation, and pull in this college football landscape, it's a big deal that they still want to play. Let's try to play. And honestly, aside from the Big Ten, and I think people do have to remember this, the Big Ten has massive student bodies. And every time you throw math with the virus, it is much, much worse. It's going to be worse at Florida State than it is at Notre Dame and Duke. But other than the massive student body and looking ahead at all the projections of numbers, they did cancel too early. You could cancel now because you've been trying for two weeks. There was no reason to cancel that at that moment. That's the thing. Why was yeah, it I necessary agree. to pull the plug that early? That is, that's certainly a question that Kevin Warren is going to continue. And I'm to not saying you with. can't pull the plug if you're the Big Ten and you've tried practicing. Like, holy cow, our entire student body is getting, the, you know, obviously something could happen at Penn State with 90,000 students. But I just don't, I just think they pulled the trigger too early. Yeah, I, it's I, like, players remorse. I mean, I think the Pac 12 had justification for pulling the trigger when they did because they knew they didn't have the testing capacity at the schools to make right. it work. They had schools that couldn't test three times a week, which is what it's going to take ultimately for the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 to play. The, the Big 10 was just never really explained that clearly. I mean, the fact that you have Nebraska players filing a lawsuit against the Big Ten today. It's that's just not a good place to be at all. So Notre Dame is, they officially announced today that South Florida is expected to be played on uh, or is scheduled to be played. I, I, I play, I was we playing word games. And everything. Let's just pretend. I know I was playing, I was playing <laughs> word games a week ago, scheduled, expected to be. Uh, and so now we can, we can officially say um, scheduled for September 19th. I can sleep better now. Uh, no, but we knew, we knew that we knew that was going to happen, but again, because of the, and I think I said the Corona correction last week or something, just, I mean, the, the, the Corona caveat that, you yeah. know, things, things can certainly change, but that's official now. Charlie Weiss Jr., 26 year old offensive coordinator for the South Florida Bulls, uh, will be coming back to Notre Dame stadium for the first time. Who boy, he was a, he was a young kid back then when he was on the sideline with his dad. Um, I know some people have some concerns about a team from Florida coming in, considering the COVID issues in the state of Florida, but I'm, but I'm Florida, but I'm sure that they will be thoroughly tested before they come to, to South Bend. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic of, uh, let's see, I think Notre Dame has played Syracuse in December before we remember how that went. Um, Notre Dame has played Boston college the week after playing a number one team. Uh, and then now South Florida. So it's, it's really sort of a greatest hits of bad omen scheduling. <laughs> if, if it were the opener, you'd be, you'd, that'd be everybody, that story would have been written a lot. All I'm saying, if there's a thunderstorm in the forecast for September 19th, just, just forget it. <laughs> South Florida is not a very good football team, but not a very good football program right now. Although you'll remember in 2011 that Skip Holtz's South Florida team went five and seven. Um, so we, anything is certainly possible on the football field. The three of us were not working together during that game in 2011, but I do remember having a conversation with you guys. I think it was maybe at the Tuesday back then press conference. And someone said to us, someone at local news said to us, like, I mean, it's, it's, really tough though that Notre Dame has to open with an opponent like that when you could open with Toledo and I said you you know who had a tougher opening opponent than Notre Dame South Florida and they were ready (laughs) so there's you can't look at both ways man I mean they came up here 
I think you guys would both agree that where Notre Dame football in 2020 is right now compared to where they were in 2011 is, is vastly different. They're transitioning first year, not only a, a new head coach, but it's his first year as a head coach. Uh, Jeff Scott, is that? You got Jeff it. Scott. Yes, he's a co-coordinator at uh, Clemson for the last 12. Right. Well, he's been the coordinator at Clemson for the last 12 years. He became co-coordinator a little bit. A little bit later, but they're they're hurting. They were four and eight last year. They're not a very good football team, um, and so that should be a little different outcome that, than in the past. But here we are, sixteen days away before first kickoff, and it's certainly looking like Nerding will play Duke and South Florida on back to back weeks to start the season. We'll be back segment two, burning up the boards. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, and we start with a question from P.G. Duman. Will Notre Dame report, quote, recovered and back to practice for those who have tested positive? Oh, because that would reveal that they were out. I mean, it gets... They haven't done it up to this point. Yeah. Once the season starts, that will have to change. Uh, I mean, they have reported that... I think the two players that initially tested positive had had recovered. They're like they don't have any active cases. I think is how they would describe it. But until we see practices or or games um, and are seeing who's out and who's in, then like no, there's no there's no point in sort of revealing who those people are. Right. And do they? I mean, if it's Ian Book, then you have to say why. But would they ever say the name of a player if he's out for if two guys test positive and two others are out? I don't. I think they'll just say four players are, two players are tested positive and two are out. Because probably, of and so then we're we're we get the binoculars out and we're scanning the sidelines the whole game and trying. I mean, to they never <laughs> do anything. They could use student privacy laws in a lot of ways, and I assume I, this one as well. I actually no, I, I don't think so. I, I, I think they're. Yeah, I'm not saying that like everyone at Notre Dame feels the same way about this, but I know some people feel about like, let's just put out a list of who's unavailable this week. We don't need to break it down by tested positive and contact tracing and injury, just like we have an NFL-style injury report. Yeah. These, but these players are out. But with no name. I mean, with no reason, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, not Ian Book out shoulder, Ian Book out contact tracing. Like, so they're not really revealing it. You're just out. I think that's what Pete's saying. Yeah. I, I was saying they out have to tell us who tested positive, and they will go to great lengths not yeah. to tell us who tested right, positive. Right, but they will tell us. If someone is out and then not tell you why, but that at that point, when the game's about to start in two hours, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I think PG Duman was asking about in season. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't state that exactly, but I think that's what he was asking. So I'm slipping a question in here from Chewy boy 23. Any concerns hosting a game with a team from the state of Florida? Uh, I mean, I mean no, a, just as I mean, testing is testing, probably. right? Yeah, testing is testing, I think, in this instance, right? Yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of people testing negative in the state of Florida. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty broad generalization that 
you know, that the, the, the state of Florida is diseased coming to Notre Dame. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, as long as there's, as long as they're transparent about, about their testing, which I think, you know, they are. That, that is one thing where I think I am much more confident will be the case this year. People will be transparent about their testing. I think back in, we were probably talking back in April and May saying, well, I mean, are these schools going to be as transparent as Notre Dame? I think they have to be, right? I mean, it just seems like, I don't think if Oklahoma was coming to play Notre Dame, they would just be like, ah, I don't know, we had some guys test positive, or they might not be here. <laughs> it's You have to kind of, in some way, you have to report it to the program you're playing probably, right? Your numbers. Mm, yeah. Not to us, but I'm saying someone has to know. You could keep it very small circle, but I would think you somehow have to alert just, the. That's it. Yeah, that's just it. Look, in 2020, we're going to find out. Somebody in the media is going to find out, and then that's so you start, right. So right, and you start reporting. I mean, you start letting guys play that you know tested positive. Somebody's going to report that, and then all hell breaks loose for that for that organization. Irish Cowboy eighty eight. Which players have you heard are having a great camp? Who have you guys seen having a great camp so far? <laughs> I mean, those four, those four clips. Um, I mean, Chris Tyree is something we've all heard. Uh, and then Brendan Clark is somebody that I've heard as well. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, Jordan Johnson's in the mix here. Uh, you know, I, well, I he think has two I, really good plays in an eight-day period. So he has to be, <laughs> no matter, no matter, unless he's falling down on all his other reps, he's got <laughs> two touchdowns on a deep ball and a tunnel screen. So that's that's a good first. Yeah, and I, I mean, day. I. And, Nobody, I mean, nobody cares about this, or I should say nobody's going to put any weight on this, but Ian Book, I mean, Ian Book is, is having a camp like you would expect Ian Book to have. So, I mean, I think that's a positive. I, I thought Myron Tagovailoa Mosa looked good. Ovia, Ovia Gofu, I think, has... has uh, that was a nice play. Seen him pop up. Yeah, we've seen him pop up, and, that, and that's not a surprise. This is a guy that's been flashing on the practice field for, for more than a year, so... Um, you know, I think Nick McLeod, we saw the interception, but I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Nick McLeod is a guy that, that is an immediate uh, frontline player for Notre Dame. But our practice reports are minimal. But our practice report, but what, but <laughs> so, and the follow-up is, what the hell are we now? We don't get to go to practice. And we understand that. We're not. We, but no, we, we know I, why. I, yeah. Yeah, we understand that. We're not complaining about that. You don't think Takis looks better when he ran that one hook route they showed us with nobody in the background? That. I don't. I don't know what to say. I don't, I, Michael Mayer is another guy that obviously physically book. just really impresses. Uh, N go Irish D. Are there any concerns with Kyle Hamilton regressing due due to a now full time role or not having a solidified other safety position next to him? Uh, I will bring up something that I talked to Alohi Gilman around the draft about this, um, and it was it was more about the jump from his junior to senior year, once teams figured out who he was, how he liked to play, what he could do, maybe what his weaknesses were, they sort of stayed away from him. And you saw his stats drop off. I mean, you just looked at the box score, you'd say Alohi Gilman was not as good as a senior as he was as a junior. Which is something we we talked about all year. Teams couldn't, I mean, Notre Dame had two years in a row, top five uh, yards per attempt. They didn't want to throw to the back yeah. end of Notre Dame's defense. And so he talked to me. It was like that was incredibly frustrating. Uh, it was a difficult process to go through. And he's like, this is what Kyle Hamilton is going to be in for this year. Because teams are going to figure out how to stay away from him. They're not, they're not going to avoid me and throw at Hamilton. 
they're going to avoid Hamilton and throw towards Pryor, Griffith, DJ Brown, whoever's out there. And I think it's a legitimate concern uh, that will not come to fruition because Kyle Hamilton will be great. But that well, is a concern. I, if you have to come up with an idea of why Kyle Hamilton might not be as an All-American, he doesn't have Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott with him anymore, and he had an easier role last year. He was a nickel that, rotational safety. And that's what regression, and I understand why that word is being used here, but that's not the right word. That's not what is going to happen. And I think, I mean, I know I was adamant during the season that, Gilman and Elliott, they're not regressing. They're being avoided. Right, right. Will he not be a superstar because of this? Yeah, you could have that. You could ask that question. It's not a concern of mine, but it's a legitimate question to ask. Yeah, you're not. It's like if he plays three times the snaps, don't expect him to triple his interceptions. Like, <laughs> that, that's not how that works. Just double it? Just yeah, double just it. Double. He's on pace for 162 home runs. Like, don't be that guy. Right. Now, here's the, here's the wild card. If, if, if Sean Crawford's playing a lot of safety – Okay, well, now there's a situation where you, you, you know, maybe there isn't the regression because you know that Sean Crawford, although he's more corner and nickel than he is safety, you know that this is a guy that understands the game and he's yeah, a six year, know. he's a six year senior. He's always been a smart football player and can give Kyle Hamilton a little bit more of a comfort zone. But I, I, it's not, it wouldn't be regression. It would be Kyle Hamilton maybe having to overcompensate for, you know, another safety next to him. But, He's just too, I mean, I just, it's too, there's too much talent in that six foot four body for a regression. I, I skipped a question. It was from not Jay Tafel, and it is besides Ian book. Who would you say is Notre Dame's most indispensable player going into the season? I voted for Hamilton. You voted, you vote. Yeah. You voted for Hamilton first. Uh, And I flip flopped with Ian book. Pete. Most Uh, indispensable. How about a third one? Since I mean, if, agree with I mean, if you yeah, took if you if you eliminated Book and Hamilton, who yes. would be most indispensable? <laughs> Man, I mean, at that point, I think I would probably go. It's harder, isn't it? You know, I, I would still go, even though Paul Moala flashed a little bit. I would still go Usu Kormala. That's yeah, he's, I, he's just too talented. Right. That's what Tim and I both did, right? We both said in that story, you asked me my opinion for your story, and I we both said, Well, he's the next he's the second best player or the best player. Yeah. And I would argue for Eichenberg right there at the at, at that top list. I would argue uh for Ogundeji because he's the only really established pass rusher. Some would say Hayes, but Hayes has six sacks and forty two games played. Um, those are, those are some of them, but I, you know, I, I stack those questions because Hamilton's either one or two. Yeah. Just because right now a bunch of people are saying, well, Notre Dame has Josh Lug. I think there's a difference between what Liam Eikenberg brings physically in the running game and everything else as a fifth year senior and having a really good backup like Josh Lug. So that's, I totally agree with the Eikenberg. We haven't seen seen Lug play left tackle. Yeah. I just like, I'm more confident in Lug. doing a job than I would be in Moala uh, or Brendan Clark. I agree with that. I wouldn't yeah. disagree with that. Long question, Tim. I'll read it. All right. <laughs> I see gold <laughs> with the NCA decision regarding eligibility retention for fall athletes. How do you think this will impact the roster next year? All of a sudden guys like Heinish, Denmark, Keith and door, et cetera, can come back for a fifth year. And you could also play freshman in an unlimited number of games this fall without losing a year. I have to assume the NCA will raise the cap of 85 scholarships but give school control over their own budgets up to a certain extended number of scholarships. Then he offers a couple ideas, like maybe 95 in 2021 down to 90 in 2022, which are, which are good reasonable estimates to talk about. 
It's a it's a long question, a big question, man, because there's so many unknowns. We we talked about this the other day about having a Zoom gathering just to start kicking names around and and speculating a little bit. I think the suggestion of I, I'm not sure about Heinish, but I think the suggestion of Jim Markeith and Dorr, those would be a couple examples of guys that might want to stick around for an extra year. I hadn't even really considered about the unlimited number of games that freshmen can play this year. I hadn't, I hadn't either. Yeah. Right? So that's, a. I mean, I see Gold makes a really good point there. I wonder if maybe, yeah, he would be a six-year guy, but maybe Ben Skoranek might want an extra year to prove himself playing on ACC-level football, depending upon how much of a contribution, how much he plays this year. So, I mean, a lot of good questions, but so much, so much ground to cover, whether it's a six game season or an eight game season or a full season with a the playoffs, there's just so many variables. that's so difficult to, to, to cover everything. I mean, I would think to me, number one on that list would be door because it's, it's a, it's a one for one situation. Like if, if he's not coming back, then, you know, Notre Dame is scouting a kicker already. Um, they can, Take a break on that. Um, Jen Markeith actually tweeted, I think, thank you or grateful, quote, tweeted the NCAA ruling about the extra year. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, he was really the guy who got sort of – it's kind of in a Romeo Aquara situation yeah, as a freshman where you're just like, why did this guy play? I mean, he would have been in more of your, your four-game typical redshirt. And uh, it was I mean, you guys know how much I love talking about Myron Tagovailoa Mosa's extra year of eligibility last year. So now – I mean, we're talking all the way into 2022 with this guy. You were. That was back in 18, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a two-year-long conversation. God. Can you burn his eligibility against Clemson? Yeah, I think it's a pretty big game. I mean, yeah. it's it okay. one that matters a little bit. So, Skronica, um, Skronica is like, if he proves enough this year, he'll go. Yeah. And if he feels like he doesn't, maybe he'll come back. Yeah, how about he the, come back. He's also really close to the in-books. I don't know how that matches yeah. up. How about the best undersized player on the team that does not immediately project to the NFL, Robert Hainsey? Wow, That's man, he's been a full, he's been a pretty much a full time player though. Would be for four years. Yeah, but you get your grade, and I guess you know maybe your grade you know maybe avoid injury at that point. But yeah, just, I mean, I mean, how much better player that won't be a high level? But how much better does he get then in twenty twenty one? I know, but he might help Notre Dame win. You know that that type of thing where you get your that could be fun for people. Yeah, too. I hear you. Good question from Icy Gold. We go to Insane ND Tucson. I really feel Tommy Tremble is going to have a breakout year as a detached. Flex tight end, he is a matchup problem, especially with the smaller, faster Notre Dame players on the field with him. Where do you see his stats ending up in 2020? With we, 11 games, not 12. Yeah, let's, that's, that makes it a little tougher. Let's say 11 games. Well, let's say a bowl game, too. Let's say there's 12 games. It's not 13. There's a bowl game. I, let's say a high-level bowl games are played. Makes it easier to do math, too. I will not say more than six touchdowns because no one's done that in the history of Notre Dame football tight end, so I'm done forever saying it. I said Kyle Rudolph would do it. I said Tyler Eifert would do it. And for crying out loud, Cole Komet only got to six last year. So his <laughs> cap is six touchdowns. So um, how many re- how many receptions in, a let's say, a 12-game season? Although I do want to say that, man, Notre Dame's playoff opportunity is – I mean, when they're competing with three within three conferences? Yes. This is it. And they're clearly one of the top two best teams in the ACC. I mean, they got a, <laughs> sh- they got a shot at this. Okay, but let's just say 13 games. How many receptions by Tommy Tremble? 25? No, 20, I'm going 20, I'm going into the middle 40s. Ooh, I'm seeing where I, I would say 30 to 35. 
I think he could be without Austin the number one target until until Austin is a really actually a, a football player again. I know you guys have Skoranek as your number one target. I'm more on the tremble thing than Skoranek. So how many catches does Mayer have? See, I think he'll be involved too. He's in the 15. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and Lindsay, Lindsay, you've got to get touches. Touches too, you know? Yeah. I just don't think Ben Skoranek's going to go out and catch 60 balls. I don't think that he's that type of player. I, think I, he's, I guess, is, is this our player. prop bet that can be paid off in Tallahassee in 2021? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Work on that, O'Malley. You're the man for the job. Kay Beasley, now that the rumors are circulating that they'll move back to the classroom, when will they announce the percentage of capacity for home games? I can help I, you announce it. Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> uh, it's going to – my understanding is going to be students and faculty. And priests. And that's it. Yep. Which parents, is ironic. Parents, because they're parents of players? Family? Yeah, parents of players. I okay. throw that in there too. But Pete, that, have you heard, have you that makes up such heard? a small number. Have you, here's a, I have a question about that, though, because I talked to a parent of a player, and he brought it up. This was solid three weeks ago, though. They did not know then if they would be able to go to games because they're coming from various states. And then, of course, they have to be tested, and there's the period of time for when they traveled. If, can you fly to a Notre Dame game and go see your son who just tested negative for COVID and then sit with him before the game? And You know what I'm saying? Like, Can they see – they could go to the game maybe, but can they see their kids up close? Not, no, no, that's not going, no, that's not going to happen. So that's uh, a that, tough call for the parents. And that's why I can say as of, I don't know, a couple of days ago, I don't think the parents still knew. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, that's- but I mean, we, look, we had a, we had a long zoom meeting with Notre Dame and what, what's going to happen with us. I think everything is going to start being revealed, including uh, capacity and home games. But I lean towards P because everything that we've seen professionally either is no fans or, you know, like, oh, okay, it was going to be 50%. I'm, I'm thinking Indy 500 because I used to go all the time. It's going to be 50%. No, it's going to be 25% and then back down to zero. I think, I think it's maximum of 20%, but if I were betting, I would say odds are closer to zero than 20%. I, yeah, it's, I bet students are going to take up 80% of the seating capacity. 70% of the seating capacity because yeah. it's like spacing them out is incredibly complicated. Um, I, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be pretty low. Um, I think people will be surprised how low it is. I got a message from an Irish illustrated subscriber uh, that has tipped me off to three very good things, including one Barry Alvarez didn't know about. Um, that I think it's supposed to come out today. The plan. Oh, Notre, what, Nordane's plan? No, I, guess yeah. it could, I guess it could come out tomorrow, but that, there's an announcement coming out that's... It's, I've, I've been told it's imminent yeah, maybe to Monday, but it's imminent. Yeah. But, but if you want to go to a Notre Dame game, you're not going to go to a Notre Dame game this year, if that's the question people are asking, right? Yeah, and tailgating. Well, I mean, I, it, it, even, if they had allow, even if they were allowing 20%, tailgating wasn't happening. It's that's not happening. No, but you could, t- I mean, people could of course be off campus. There's ways those, the people that well, yeah, are now are. could offer. Yeah. Right. Those. Right. So students aren't going to party before the game. Yeah. Right. right. You're right. up Tim. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not happening. So. <laughs> a Calouse. How would you guys say that? A Calouse. Yeah. A Calouse. <laughs> Opinions on Steve and Gelly. Uh, one, of, one of the Notre Dame's quarterback recruits from 2022 offered him a scholarship. Gavin Wimsat is another one. I think physically Wimsat is further along. Angeli's uh, offer list is more impressive. LSU, Miami, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Nebraska. 
Is Nebraska an impressive? I don't know. I, you, were getting, I, I you, were still, getting, you could have stopped at Ohio State, though. I know. I, I see. I keep. <laughs> I still listen. Nebraska is an impressive yeah. offer, and I, until things turn around, I really need to stop doing that. Uh, and Jelly is. I mean, you have, first of all, you have to be impressed by his offer list just after his sophomore year. I mean, I think that I think that there's a lot of football quarterback savvy in the kid that, that is going to continue to grow, but he needs to get stronger. I, I know a couple people have said a, a couple people that that consider themselves to be good evaluators of of football talent that they don't see arm strength as an issue. I don't know that it's an issue because he's he still has two years of high school to go, right. but he doesn't have a cannon by any means. And Wimsett has a stronger arm, so I mean, I, I think that it's it's a topic that needs to be brought up and addressed. But Nordame's chances with him are very very good, and um, you know, but he needs he really needs to play two years of high school football to continue the the evolution. Look, there are some plays where he beats people to he he runs the football and he can be physical. He's he's not a very big strong kid and he's not afraid to be physical, but there are plays where he gets around the corner where on the next level he is not getting around the corner against that type of speed. So, you know, like most high school quarterbacks going into their junior year, he's got to get a lot better and a lot stronger. Next question from ND Band. No spring, a different fall camp than we had before. Do you anticipate defenses being sharper than offenses? Do you see the run game getting off to a better start than the passing game due to the amount of timing necessary be necessary between a quarterback and a wide receiver? What do you who who's ahead of whom early in the year because of everything that has happened? No spring, uh, a fall that really has kind of interrupted, uh, yeah. you know, has been interrupted along the way. I. Which roster has the most available players? Yeah, that's, that's important. That's the one that excels the most? That, I mean, yeah. To me, that, that's what Brian Kelly told me uh, in the summer. I, I think he's dead on. It's like the team that manages COVID-19 the best will be the team in the best position to win. Like, I, I'd, I'd, <laughs> the, the offense being ahead of the defense or chemistry with receivers and um, – Quarterbacks like Notre Dame should have some advantages there with the staff returning roughly offensive line, third year quarterback, all that. But ultimately it's going to come down to who's available and who's not. I take that as a Notre Dame centric question though, more so than who's coming in. And I think their Notre Dame running game could be ahead of where Ian book would be with all young wide receivers. No Kevin Austin and Ian Ben Skoranek and have, and Brock, Ian Ben Skoranek and Brock Wright could have a great relationship and built that over mm-hmm. the summer, but they haven't, they've caught two total passes from each other in the history of their relationship in college football. So I do think that the running game of Notre Dame with that offensive line will have a little bit of a head start over the Ian book wide receiver combination. Yeah. Repetitions count in all walks of life. Right. Right. And they didn't have a spring. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how compromised the summer was. How compromised um, tackling? Because we saw the day they had just started tackling, and Houston Griffith looked like he had not ever tackled before. But I mean, was that just because he hadn't tackled in nine months? It could have been, right? I don't know. I mean, tackling, you know, tackling back. gets worse every year because they don't tackle as much. I mean, it just does. It's true. because you can't afford to have frontline players getting hurt all the time. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think to a, lot, a large extent, what Pete is saying, there's 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 a lot of validity to that. Um, but I think, I think offensive playbooks will be a little bit tighter and a little bit smaller, especially early on. I mean, I think those are all 
kind of normal byproducts of the situation that we're in. Soccer guy 8801 has the ship sailed on Jafar Armstrong fully reaching his potential. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far at all. I mean, he's, if he gets injured again, then that might, that might be true. But, um, it, you know, my hunch is that he'll be opening day starting running back against Duke. I have no opinion to give on Jafar Armstrong until I see him run against Duke because all I've seen from him is trying to run after surgery. And it has nothing to do with what we saw before surgery. I, you don't have to believe us that Jafar Armstrong looked good prior to that injury. But Notre Dame was featuring Jafar Armstrong on that drive as their number one man on that drive in two different ways, running the football and throwing the ball. I don't know if he'll get back to it, but it's not fair to judge Jafar Armstrong by last year. You have to judge him by September, probably. I bet we will know after September, though, because he better have a good game against one of those three teams, right? Yeah. Jafar Armstrong is too talented of an athlete and too dedicated to his craft to write him off at this point. The learning curve has been tough at running back, especially with the, the difficulty of that injury last year. It's too early. But to be fair to soccer guy, if he has a bad September, Jafar Armstrong, then I would, I would move on to, from Jafar Armstrong. Well, I would agree. Yeah, no, I, well, I don't know move on, but I, certainly at that point, it's like, okay, now, now, we're, now we're a third into his third year at the position. But mm-hmm. at this very moment, I think it's a little too early. ND2019, I guess that's 2019. Greater impact the first six weeks, Chris Tyree or Jordan Johnson? I had Tyree on that one. I mean, it's like we've seen a lot of freshman receivers have moments in fall camp practices that are never heard from again uh, until their sophomore year. There's an entire story on Irish Illustrated coming up this weekend, Pete. You can read it. I will will check that out. Um, I just think, I mean, Tyree, Tyree is the one that gets mentioned by coaches and other people around Notre Dame, not more than Jordan Johnson does. Um, so I'm definitely going Tyree. Without taking anything away from Johnson, I think his camp highlights have been a byproduct of who's missing, where Chris Tyree, the words we hear about Chris Tyree is he's forced his way in there. Does that make sense? Sometimes yeah. opportunity knocks and Jordan Johnson took advantage of it, and maybe he's going to take over for somebody because of that, but there are people missing, and Jordan Johnson made plays in their stead. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't want to take – you know, too much away from his tunnel screen touchdown, but like there wasn't anybody there. They all, they all got blocked out of the play. That's the so he, just ran, he just ran in a straight line. There, I, I think there potentially should be way more opportunities and touches for Tyree early on, of course, because he's a running back. It's easier to get, easier to get the touch. They're going to get him involved in the passing game. He may be a return man. Uh, maybe not, but you know, um, I just think there are more opportunities for Chris Tyree than Jordan Giant. Freshman wide receivers. I mean, how many how many receptions are fr- typically does a freshman wide receiver have? Five. Yeah. Yeah. So Stefferson's the gold. Yeah. Stefferson and TJ Jones are the. Yeah. Brian Kelly are a gold standard, and yeah. Stefferson did it on a horrible team. That was part yeah. of it. And he Understand- was great. Go with Understandable that. question though uh, from yes. Andy twenty nineteen. The underscore Justin Wise can Notre Dame lose two games and still go to the ACC championship? Sure. Virginia did last year and Pittsburgh did it the year before. Now it was divisional, but I don't, I don't know that that, I mean, I, I can't, I don't see anybody other than Clemson or Notre Dame with less than two losses. Right. That's I, I mean, that's how I view it. Yeah. It's a big jump for North Carolina, right? Yeah, sure. Yes. That's the, I mean, they're kind of the, they're kind of a sexy dark horse pick and like, 
I think, I mean, it's a tough, that's a real game for Notre Dame going down. That's, that's They've got, tough, North Carolina tough has a, North Carolina has a whole bunch of offensive components. Yeah. They've got, they've got, they've got, basically they have 2,000 yard, two 1,000 yard rushers and two 1,000 yard receivers. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, Notre Dame is not, has not run into games the last two years very often where they did, they did not have the better quarterback, but that's going to be one of those games. Like I think Sam Howells has more raw ability than Ian Book does. And he does have a veteran court receiving core to throw to, I guess at that point, you know, maybe Ian Book will as well. And that's, but. I mean, it's the tricky part there is North Carolina doesn't play Clemson. So that's, you have to, you either have to be tied with North Carolina in the, in the right. loss column or lose to them and be a game ahead. And that means you had probably had to beat Clemson. Right. Basically North Carolina has to lose to the get upset, which I think they will, because I don't think they're going to go out there and win 10 games just after they, they don't have that pedigree yet as a program. Yeah. If they play Miami and Florida State. If, if they beat Miami and Florida State both, then you're looking at the Notre Dame-North Carolina game probably being for a championship spot as like mm-hmm. a knockout right. situation. Right. Yeah, I agree. I shouldn't have told you guys that I figured out this la- uh, final question. Did yeah, you, well, it out, Sam? you want me to read it to you? Yeah, you- go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Irish CO. Uh, can Notre Dame <laughs> gain the highest winning percentage this season? Now, of course, we're not counting the – the vacated victories. Okay? I don't count those things. Right. Reggie and, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure ND Irish uh, Colorado co uh, had the same thing in mind, but okay, here's what it would take. <laughs> Presuming they play 11 games and that they play in the ACC championship and they win the national championship, 14 games. If they go 14 and 0, yes, they definitely move ahead of Michigan. <laughs> Michigan's at 0.7291 right now, and Notre Dame is at 0.7280. So I'll sum it up quickly. 14-0, Notre Dame moves ahead. 13-1, Notre Dame moves ahead. 12-1, Notre Dame moves ahead. 12-2, Notre Dame moves ahead. 11-2, Notre Dame moves ahead. 10-3, they do not. 11-2, they move ahead. 11-2, they would be at 0.7292, and and Michigan's at 0.7291. So a a year comparable to the last two years, somewhere in between or comparable, gets them ahead of Michigan. I want to end with, Tim, I was really hoping when you did that whole preview of if they could do it or not, and you went to 13-0, and you just, with your dramatic pause, you just said, no, they can't. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) unfortunately, it's it's good, though. It seems like they can get there. They can, unless my math was wrong. (laughs) I thought I you might. Think, are you issuing a COVID it, correction on next yes. week's podcast? No, no, because I did use a calculator. I did okay. do long division. I did actually use a calculator. We appreciate you joining us this week for Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, Please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.